0: hey guys and welcome to quality shot and i'm really excited to be joined by ben and jg both from the game to love podcast and we're going to be going over Acapulco, Bay, and a couple of other little topics as well so just a nice tennis discussion ben and jg how are you doing
1: yeah i'm good mate how, how about yourself yeah very good yeah. yeah i'm all good i'm
0: all good i know we've just been talking mainly about food uh, for some reason <laughs> and also uh, uh, and <laughs> work etc as well so we'll get on to the tennis um I guess we can start off with something which I'm sure JG will be really happy to discuss, which is uh, Rafa. Uh, so 15 and 0, and obviously uh, everyone watching, subscribers, will know I'm a big Rafa fan as well. But I mean, uh, ridiculous start to the year. Obviously, the longest unbeaten stretch he's had since the start of the year, and he's at really good. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, just so that we can, you know, just revel in the bliss that
2: has been Rafa's well, start to the year for a little bit. Well, firstly, let's start off with. I know you're a big Rafa fan. I'm very happy that you are. Um, and if Ben does want to leave the channel, I'm always happy to have you on Games <laughs> for Love as my new co-host. I feel like we definitely need a little bit more Rafa love on the channel. Um, ben had him start of the year, sort of all the way down in the rankings. I think ninth in the top 10. So, right now uh, you're looking at it. He could be pushing and knocking on the door for number one. Roland Garros coming up the clay court swing. He's looking better than ever. 15 games on the bounce to start 2022. The perfect start. He's never played or started a season this strong before. And my only issue with him has never really been the tennis. It's always been the injuries. And if he's saying himself that the foot feels okay, then you've got really nothing to worry about. I just want to see him competing in matches. I understand that there's going to be times where he could lose a few matches here um, coming up. I'm not delusional by no means. But if he's being competitive and not struggling for injury, then I can't. You can't really wish for much more as a Rafa fan.
0: So Uh, no career Grand Slam.
2: (laughs) Right now it's still on, so we can't say it's never. It's not going to happen. But I think the Wimbledon one is not looking likely, and I'm I'm not going to be picking him to win or get so far in that one, in my opinion. Never say never. (laughs) <laughs> I agree, I agree, but I'll
0: come to you in a second as well your thoughts on it but yeah, a couple of stats actually quite interesting I think it was actually Brad Gilbert posted on his Twitter about uh, a couple of interesting stats so far this year so second serve points one at the moment so f- for the whole year has been 55% which is okay. really impressive I think he's obviously improved his second serve so quite a bit uh, and if you think about break points save 72% uh, which is like really good he's obviously had a lot of juice it depends like, on oh, us Ra- <laughs> no, I mean
2: with, with Rafa <laughs> first burst on the scene the serve was never as good as what it is now. That's, right. for sure. That's for sure. However, in recent years, I would say his second serve has been a real good asset. And it wasn't even too long ago, me and Ben were talking as one of the best second serves on the tour. The only difference is with that last season, with the back injuries he was having, the second serve was no longer that force. And in fact, it was very much of a liability. The amount of double faults was- he here. I remember Monte Carlo against Rublev. Um, sort of fell apart in that one. Uh, there was a few events prior, before as well, and after. And even against Sissipas at Barcelona, the serve wasn't wasn't quite the same, and he was a bit fortunate, really, to get through that. I thought Sissipas played a great match. But Rafa, right now, like I keep saying, the injury doesn't seem to be there. Um, this was obviously, of course, another injury regards to his back and the, the issue with the serving. But when, I just feel like a fully fit Rafa who's feeling good and feeling confident in himself, it's just always going to be dangerous, and I can't wait for this season. It's just an exciting one for Rafa fans.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. It's interesting you said about the back because obviously, I think last year was his worst like serving year in terms of numbers. Yep. Uh, and I talked to um tennis analyst, actually Craig Viner from Baseline Tennis because he's done like what he does work with like Holger Rune. and I think he's done a little bit with Sitspass and stuff. So, uh, he was quite good to have on. He talks about mechanically like how Nadal serves evolved. Yep over the years and it's clearly improved a lot like the first those bulked up and he's able to hit the serve out wide from the juice side to the to the righty's forehand and hit it flatter whereas before he just kind of it arch into the forehand and be uh, it wouldn't be as effective so he's like things like that which has been really interesting to witness and his improvements there so it's been great ben from a i guess a oh, more what ben was here? Yeah, more unbiased Hello. view. Um, obviously, you had the nonsense. So are you, how surprised are you, I guess, by how well, you know, he's played? Oh, this is the thing
1: we've been speaking about it a lot on the podcast. I've been saying I thought the foot injury could be a potential career ender, and it looked like the way that Rafa was hobbling around on crutches, he'd said, I've had this sort of injury, but it for my whole career, really, but now it's got to the point where I can't even run around on the court. And then you saw when he had the foot wraps cut off in Roland Garros last year. And then you saw how he was able to, his mobility after that was even worse than with with them on. Uh, I was expecting something. and I know it's negative of me. I was expecting the worst. Uh, And I'm very happily surprised. I think that the way he's shown how to come back from, injury time and time again is just testament to what a fighter that guy is um there's no other way to put it rafael nadal it's probably up there he's top if i've heard many people build tennis players uh, over the course of the last like 10 years or something and they always put him as fighting spirit that type of thing he's always the number one and i think that doesn't just go for him on the court i think it goes for him off the court as well because it looks like he's been struggling He had the knees. I thought the knees were going to... I remember that was so many years ago now. He had all of this. I think it was tendinitis in both knees. And people thought, oh, is this the end of Rafa now? And that was so many years ago. Everyone forgets about that. And he came back. And then he starts winning Grand Slams again. Then he has other injuries. Comes back, starts winning Grand Slams again. And this one, arguably, probably the most impressive Grand Slam in Australia. I'd say coming back from what he did, coming back like he did against Shapovalov. Uh, with the heat stroke, to be able to win with heat stroke in those uh, conditions is, for me, obscene. I don't know how he did it. It's a little bit of help from Chapo, I'm sure, bottling it a little bit. But now look at him. He's won 13 sets on the bounce. Our, if We include that final. Didn't drop a set for the whole of Acapulco. Looks back to his best, doesn't he? Well um, what I've
2: noticed as well, sorry to jump in, is a lot of people are now saying... Rafa's beaten, oh, not the best players on the tour. He's beaten a lot of low-ranked players. You've had Sverev, he's pulled out of this event. Uh, He didn't do very well in the Australian Open. You've got so many different instances. I remember he was supposed to be playing Kokinakis in the second round of the Australian Open. And it just seems to be, even this event, I remember doing the projected uh, route for him. I don't think he played hardly any of the players, apart from Medvedev. So it's pretty crazy what's happening. But I don't want to take that away from his victories. Because the reason I say this, I think he has been playing very good quality opposition and no better than the world's number one, Daniel Medvedev. On the hard courts, you've got to say he's been going toe-to-toe for, with, with Djokovic, who's ultimately, you've got to say, the best on the hard courts for the last few years. He is right up there. If not, you could say maybe better than him. because he's been, He has been beat him at the, Australia, at the US Open not too long ago. And Rafael Nadal has just beaten this guy back-to-back. And the most recent one being in straight sets in Acapulco.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, can, I can tell JD's really loving this so conversation. I'm, <laughs> I'm not
2: having all of these people because I know I keep getting all the comments, oh, he's not beating anyone. He keeps, he keeps getting luck, luck with the draw. And then you've got all these other Djokovic fans I've seen on Twitter saying about what's happening with the events in uh, Russia as well at the moment. Russian players not allowed to play. Zverev could get a ban. Uh, Sissipas not in form. Djokovic not allowed to play events because of his vaccination status. There's a lot of excuse flying around and I want to diminish them right now on the podcast. Rafa can only play who's been put in front of him and I don't want to really say anything about the opportunities he's playing because I think there are some good players.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And the thing is as well, you can also then... You know, then we could go through history and just say some of the slams that Federal won, Djokovic won. You can say the same thing, right? Like you can Nadal's never Beninja really long... do
2: that to a level. I think the problem is people have agendas. People have agendas with their favourite favorite players and they'll try and find a way and little workarounds. Yeah. I can be a bit guilty of it at times as well. I put my hands up. But with this situation here with Rafa, you've got to respect the fact he's beaten the world number one now twice. One in the Grand Slam final and one in Acapulco as well. So he's beating the very best
0: yeah no agreed that's what that's exactly my point yeah is that it's easy I think you know people injured at different times are unavailable and that's just the way it is. you can only play those in front of you so it's been a very impressive run nonetheless uh, before we move on from Rafa I wanted to get your guys thoughts because uh, I'm not sure whether we're going to be able to catch up before Roland Garros because I know you guys are going out there so uh, enjoy as well I'm sure it'll be a fantastic uh, trip but I'm in sure. terms of predictions do you is he the favorite going into it? I'm assuming He's going to be the betting favourite, but do you guys think he'll win? What's your over to you,
2: Ben? For? I want to see what you have to say.
1: He's definitely the favourite. There Ooh. is no doubt about it that he, uh, he has to be the favourite because I think the only thing that would have made him not the favourite was the foot. And if he's saying the foot's okay, then I think that a fit is always going to be favourite at Roland Garros. I mean. Obviously, I'm not talking about Rafa maybe in 10 years' time. I'm talking about whilst he's playing the level he's playing right now, but he has to be the favourite. We don't know who the other real competitors are going to be. Tsitsipas, is Djokovic going to be there? We don't know yet. Like, There's a lot of things that are up in the air, but the one thing's for sure, a Roland Garros, Rafa
2: is favourite. That's for sure. My favourite too. Um, I think Ben said everything. So what I will do is give you a little dark course on one of my uh surprise picks who could go very far and i think this year it's not going to be a dominic team it's not going to be a stefano sisipas it's going to be a casper rude i think he's going to eclipse a lot of them if he can avoid um i'm not sure if he can avoid nadal on his side he could go very deep and i'm talking maybe a semi or a final Mm. yeah he's definitely uh
0: someone who i can see him doing really well on the clay um it might be this year, it could be next year, but it's definitely yeah. gonna happen at some point, isn't it? He's got the game for it. Yeah, I like And it. do you
1: have a favorite player? Are you very neutral? Well, it's funny that you're saying that. that you i am say neutral very, I'm... is
2: quite kind. I would say boring, but really I'm <laughs> I'm
1: a very patriot I'm a very patriotic uh, tennis fan. And since Andy Murray's, I wouldn't say departure, I've been sort of looking around for somebody to support on the tour and give them my real full backing. Obviously, I am going to be following the whole trajectory of Jack Draper when he finally comes through. Emma Raducanu's who's had a great one, but she's still very much in the infancy of her career and she's still going to keep growing. But I'm glad I wore this T-shirt actually today because this is the person... That uh, I would be okay. getting behind. Carlos Alcaraz is the the next big thing in tennis. I think everybody will agree. I think he's so exciting to watch. Every every match is like a sort of unmissable uh, encounter. He has all the tools. He has the drop shots. He has the serve. He has the and as well. We spoke to David Ferrer. He just said the one thing he noticed with him the attitude on the court is completely different to any other young players that co- are coming through. And that's what those big players like your Djokovic is, your Nadals, even like someone like an Andy Murray as well, to, to a certain extent, they have that fighting spirit to never give up and always keep trying to go back to basics to try and win matches. And I, th- I think he's incredible. I can't wait to see uh, him win a grand slam. I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah,
0: Yeah. agreed. Talking about patriotism, Cam Norrie had a really good run in Acapulco. Good to see him get back into a bit of form because he he dropped off for a while. Uh, Last year was good, and then he kind of towards the back end and then started this year. It wasn't great, and then now he's found a bit of form again. Uh, What were you guys' thoughts? And surely he's got a little bit of a game for the clay as well. He's not a bad clay court player uh, coming into the swing.
2: He's the best clay court player the British players have, for sure. Um, I think... I don't know. Maybe you could say one of his best surfaces now compared to looking at the results he had last year. He did very well also at Indian Wells, uh, winning that one. And I'm I'm not surprised. I know some people were saying they were surprised he's um, just got to the final in Acapulco. I was generally worried. I thought he might may, 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 even, may even beat Rafa. I thought he was close and a lot of people were giving him due for. And yeah, I'm expecting him just to keep pushing on and playing the level of tennis he can. His real attribute, what makes him better than a lot of other players on tour is his consistency. Um, he does have it in abundance and I think he is knocking on the door of the top 10. Whether or not he gets there or not, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but certainly has that consistent game to be able to get there. A bit like uh, sort of on the women's side, what what Krajcikova and um, Barty are able to do. I feel like Cam Norrie has that as well on the men's.
1: Yeah. yeah, I totally, I back that up as well, and I think it helps for some reason. Being the lefty, it gives him like a a different dimension, a different element as well. I think he's he's great on all surfaces. Remember, he got to the final of Queens last year, only losing to Berrettini in that one. And I th- I think that his best on hard court is to slow hard courts, though. I think it's it's sort of similar to the some of the clay courts. That's why I quite like. I think, I he likes, on I think the he's clay.
2: going to do very well in clay this year.
1: Yeah he's he's getting better and that was the one thing that shocked both of us last year was the fact that he actually looked much more at home on the on the clay like his sliding yeah. was better he was just able to keep the rallies going and so sort of, he doesn't have the biggest weapons uh on tour but he gets everything back you could it's say a little yeah. bit similar to like a Schwartzman maybe on a clay court because Schwartzman gets around the place he's probably a bit faster than Norrie, i'd say but I think he's just—he's got all the tools just to keep the rally going. Percentage tennis sometimes can win you uh, big tournaments, and I think we've seen it with that uh, Indian Wells. He just was the most consistent player over the course of the tournament, and that winning yeah.
0: No, I agree. That, I mean, the forehand cross court is always going to be a nightmare for for any righty, right? So there's a lefty, as you said, is it's and it's a really, really potent shot that he possesses. He doesn't have the biggest weapons, as you said, but I think uh, yeah. something that he mentioned recently was. Uh, that he's more confident taking the, I guess, the impetus in rallies. Before, he would just wait for the error and wouldn't actually be as proactive in the rallies. But now, I think we saw against Rafa too here in the final. Like, there were some rallies where he was actually managing to hit with Rafa and then potentially hit a winner at the end of the rally. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, yeah. you wouldn't expect this uh, as often anyway to happen. It didn't just happen once or twice, it happened a few times. And you like, okay. You now, he's clearly feeling his game at the moment and he's more uh, confident in the way that he's playing. He's not taking so many risks that it's it's harming his game uh he's kind of found that nice blend and balance at the moment so I'm excited for him on the clay courts and hopefully he carries on this form because it'll be good to see a Brit I think obviously Andy Murray's not going to play the clay so um and I I think obviously his chances there wouldn't have been that great anyway I think it's always been his worst surface so um yeah we'll we'll see how how Norrie gets on um Talking of like the big three, as we talked about earlier, Djokovic returned. Uh, What were your guys' thoughts on his return? How did he look? Obviously, his first tournament uh, fell Mm -hmm. to Vesely in the quarters in the end. But I mean, uh, what do you just Rusty or slow slow start
2: against Massetti, better against Hatchinoff, okay against Vesely. I thought you played all right in that match. Uh, Didn't look too bad. I, I covered the second set. I think Vesely's serving was just amazing. And you've got to look who Vesely was able to beat that week. He beat all of them. So many top players. He beat Agut, who's in crazy form, start of the year, won an event prior. Shapovalov, who's a top player on his day. Marin Cilic, Grand Slam champion. Um, and then Novak Djokovic. And I think I put a lot of emphasis on the fact that Vesely was playing great rather than Djokovic was poor. Of course, if it's a fully firing Djokovic on all cylinders and maybe he's had a, he's got a few extra matches under his belt this year, he may have had a little bit too much for Vesely, regardless of how he was playing. Uh, but all in all, I think Djokovic fans should be quite pleased with the way he played. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon like a lot of people have been, saying, oh, he's poor from Djokovic, he's going to have a bad season this year. I'm not buying it at all. I was actually quite impressed in spells, especially against Hatchinoff. I thought he was really good. And Vesely, there were some great rallies and some really good shots. Um lacked slightly and that can happen in sport we know that it's never it's never certainty no one's going to win and I thought Vesely just served big at big moments and deserved the victory
0: yeah
1: Ben anything to add to that I think uh I actually agree with JG I think that Vesely just one of those sort of shock runs in a in a tournament I wasn't expecting to see Vesely play at that level I don't think I've seen him play at that level for years which was a Pretty crazy. And obviously, he just came up a little bit short against Rublev in the final. But you could put that down to a little bit. He did have to qualify for the event as well. So you've got played a few extra matches, maybe. I think he even said that he was probably a bit tired by the time he got to the final anyway.
2: Yeah, I think Rublev said after the match, he was like, "I'm I'm just amazed this guy was able to play so well today <laughs> in terms yeah. of his legs must be finished. And Rublev spoke about the battles he has with a good, usually three hours. He can't beat Djokovic. Struggled. He lost to Chilic last week as well. So all the yep. plays he's just beaten, Rublev struggles with. And um, yeah. he was saying for a guy to be able to beat all them players and get to a final and be able to play at this level, credit to him, hats off, because he, he kind of expected to win because he, his legs must be finished. And I can understand it.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a bad result for Djokovic per se, because... We know, if you're any sort of tennis fan, you know that the, those shock results are somewhere on the tour. They're going to happen maybe once a year or once every couple of years. And these big guys do sometimes come up against somebody who is just in ridiculous form. Obviously, everyone always goes to the Rosal Nadal or the uh, Sergei Stakovsky, Federer. like that. When you get somebody just playing their amazing tennis on that day, it's like there's nothing you can do. All the tennis players in the top, I'd say, 200 300 are all that good if they play like their best tennis they can challenge anybody but the thing is it's always consistency at the top level and you don't get to sit that's why those players are at the top consistency and i think jokovic will be fine it's a it's a warm-up tournament coming back his first matches of the year be interesting to see if he does enter indian worlds or if he's allowed to play Not i'll sure be interested going to be allowed yeah but we'll have to wait I'd... and see It's going to be interesting, though, because I'm interested to see what his next tournament's like. Does he, is is this just the ball getting rolling? And then we're suddenly, by the time we hit Roland Garros, is he going to be firing on all cylinders again? And then we hopefully get that match. Or will he be playing Roland Garros? Well, that's what I mean. Like, will we get that match up? Well, he's supposed to be playing Rome, but I'm hearing now other words coming out that that might be not a thing either. So I don't know if you've heard anything about that at all um
0: i've heard uh, well for the french open i know that at the moment they're having the same stance as australian open right so i think it's pretty unlikely he's going to play it uh, which is why i was actually going to ask you guys in terms of tournaments wise it looks like he's going to have a really like bizarre schedule where he might play a tournament every two months every three months potentially depending on what uh what all the regulations are i think they're always changing aren't they quite quite flexible i mean we know here in the uk how many changes we've had to the different things and I think he'll definitely be allowed to play Wimbledon um given how I think like you know relax now the restrictions are, are here in the UK but uh the French Open I'd be surprised if he does play it to be perfectly honest with you um given that I think he's pretty much said that he's not going to get vaccinated anytime soon uh so uh which is what I was going gonna to ask you guys do you think that's going to affect him in terms of for example playing at Wimbledon given that he's not going to have a lot of match practice going into some of these tournaments. Just stop starting throughout the whole year, or is he now experienced enough that he can get up for these tournaments and be fit enough to kind of get through the first few rounds and almost just use those first few rounds as uh, practice matches to then find form?
2: I don't think it's going to affect him. He's the favourite for Wimbledon. and reckon he'll win it as well. Um, not sure about the fact of like him missing events prior. Um, I think he's going to have a little bit too much personally. The people who you need to look out for, the likes of Berrettini, he's really good on the grass. I think Felix as well, the way he started the year, he's a really good grass quarter and I'm expecting him to go very far. I'd love to see one of them guys potentially win it because I'm not giving Rafa much uh, of of a chance there, if I'm honest. Uh, But ultimately, Djokovic will be the favourite. Yeah,
1: I think Rafa, even though it's a bit crazy to say, I still think... If Rafa manages to win Roland Garros, let's say, let's put it. like Yeah, but we minutes. always
2: say this. That's the thing. I've said <laughs> if... this. I've, I've said this, Ben, for the last however many years, because it's always Roland Garros then Wimbledon. And I say, oh, if, if, after he's just won Roland Garros and like without dropping a set and he's looking amazing, I always then put a bet on the, the bookies. I'm like, oh, he's winning Wimbledon <laughs> this year now, and I've lost every single time <laughs> because I get wrapped up into it. It's not. Going to happen? It just doesn't. To be able to, for a start, doesn't matter who you are, for to able to win Roland Garros in Wimbledon, considering there's not much gap in between and going from the clay courts to the grass courts and being consistent enough to go in the whole two weeks and the the physical battle of the clay courts in terms of there's some long rallies at times and some long matches to then go to Wimbledon and compete and get and go and win that is 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 is, is unthinkable. Djokovic wow. did it this year, which makes it so amazing.
0: Well, the me... in 2008
1: as well, didn't he? That yeah, was yeah. yeah. To be
2: fair. It's a well, special... Let... For me, that's one of his greatest achievements ever.
1: Well, let me finish what I was about to say, because... Oh, I know uh, what you were going to say. What was I going to say? Oh no, go on. All right, okay. So I was going to say, well, what happens if Rafa gets to Wimbledon, Felix knocks out Djokovic uh other other thing other results go his way rafa finds himself maybe in a semi-final with medvedev again or, or someone like that and someone he knows he has the mental fortitude to beat now because when he gets on the other side of the court with a lot of players they're sometimes beaten already and that's the thing that you have to fight against with rafa on the dow and we have seen him not so long ago he was in a semi-final at wimbledon i don't think it's I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. If results go his way, he avoids uh, Djokovic or Djokovic goes out. Could see Rafa in the final,
2: maybe. Listen, I'm all here for it. But uh, the thing is, I think you're looking at players (laughs) like a Berrettini (laughs) who are going to be, it's going to be a lot more. uh, Berrettini and Nadal is usually a one-sided battle all the time. You play them at Wimbledon. I'm telling you now, it's no longer a one-sided battle. a different prospect altogether. There's going to be a lot of them tests as well.
1: Well, if it's Serbs firing. Yeah, yeah. agree. I mean, Agreed. Berrettin is just,
2: uh, just so good.
0: Well, what do you think about the stop-start, Ben, though, for Djokovic? Do you think it'll affect him? Well, like JG, you just think he'll just get on with it? And it doesn't I really think matter
1: we, we've seen it already. Like it, it was US Open, didn't he do the same thing? Hadn't played yeah. much on the lead-up. I think he can. He's one of those type of people who can use the first week as a sort of warm-up, like you said. I don't think it will affect him at Wimbledon, especially last year. It was a bit of a breeze for him didn't really even. I mean, I know he dropped a set in nearly every round, but it doesn't doesn't even matter. Or maybe that was U.S. Open, but he can he dropped a set to Jack Draper. Was there? Does anybody think? Oh, Jack Draper's going on to win this? Probably not. It's just Djokovic.
2: I want to throw something out there, which could be super interesting. So Djokovic doesn't play until Wimbledon. He plays maybe the odd event here and there. He's not played. He's bit bit rusty. First round, he gets a wild card. Guess who the wild card is? Curious. It's Roger Federer. <laughs> Roger Federer. <laughs> he gets Roger Federer at Wimbledon on the centre court as a wild card. Uh, Roger's dropped all the way down the rankings now. Um, where is Roger in the rankings? Anyone know? It's
1: a good point. Oh, I gosh. haven't checked on Roger uh for <laughs> yeah, some time. Roger, I- I- I gonna, I'll look. Be.
2: Because I'm sure more points are going to be dropping off as well. 27th. Um, 27th. I'm not sure what, what stage he's going to be at, sort of, come Wimbledon. Uh, you'd expect already, a lot yeah. of points. Yeah, he's not going to be seeded, so he's going to be a wild card prospect. Andy Murray, Djokovic loves a wild card first round. He got Draper last year. Is he going to be able? To, is he going to draw Federer and have a center court battle? Put it out there. He's not played. Federer's not played either. Uh, listen, that'll be an, an amazing, amazing. I don't know. I'm just hoping it happens, but.
1: I thought, I thought you were going to say something. I thought you were going to say he plays Vesely first round.
2: <laughs> I mean, he'd probably prefer to play Federer. Yeah, Consider Vesely's beaten him twice now. Exactly. He hasn't been
0: Vesely, has he? Yeah. Kyrgios. Yeah, there's a lot of people out well, there, they're, they're, they're best mates now, so they, they oh, won't true, be the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're <Yeah. best> mates. <laughs> I even saw Kyrgios say today that if Nadal wins uh, the French Open, he's that he's the goat, hands down. Yeah, I was thinking, down. all this love from Kyrgios for Nadal and Djokovic is, is playing my mind. Uh, it's <laughs> so funny, I love it. Uh, he's he's a great character. Um, well, in debate, though, like Rublev won in the end, so of course, you said like Vesely was, was a bit shot by the end of the final, but he has won what three tournaments the last like four or five weeks. He's suddenly come into a hot streaks similar. Well, actually, a lot more yeah. than Norrie, I guess, considering he's won three of those tournaments. And he lost uh, was it Felix in Rotterdam in the final? Uh, then got revenge the next tournament and now has just gone on this ridiculous run. Uh, what do you think? I mean, it's good to see him back in form for me. I mean, he's exciting plays, all out aggression, really. Uh, and do you think he has any chance on the clay? The reason I say that is because obviously they're very slow courts. But the thing for him, I guess, is that. He wants to make as many forehands as possible, so I guess the clay will give him that opportunity. Uh what are your guys' thoughts?
2: For a start, has Rublev won three four events this year?
1: Have just won uh two? No. Is it
2: two? I think we had one
0: three. Or maybe no. two in.
1: I think uh, I'm just going to have a quick look back down. No, it is. He just won Marseille and he's just won Dubai back to back. But he knocked out in the wasn't it semis against Felix in
2: Rotterdam, I believe. Uh, the final. I, I, yeah. I get the point you're making. He's definitely it sort of coming into form final. and winning a, winning a few more matches. I've been someone who's been a bit dismissive of Rublev and his claims in a lot of events. Reason being, I find him slightly one dimensional, very forehand centric. Not sure if he's good at sort of at the net. Um, and other facets of his game can be a bit wobbly at times, especially serving out for matches and sets. And I've not seen enough evidence, really, of him as an overall player. You compare him to, say, now Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz seems to have the whole package. Not sure if Rublev necessarily does. Uh, on the slower courts, though, um, I think I understand what you're saying. He's going to hit more forehands, but he does prefer the faster surfaces. Um was able to do very well against Monte Carlo last year. Mm. And I think he's got enough quality regardless to be able to win a few matches. But I don't see him winning any titles on clay. Mm. He is someone who can play very well on clay. Though I remember he beat... Um, did he beat Pass on clay and then lost him the next the, next, the week after? Ham- in another final
1: Hamburg. Uh, he, he won be Hamburg beaten. and
2: lost in the next one.
1: French Open, yeah. Yes. So, but then Sissapass absolutely demolished him in, in straight sets. But the final, he should have probably defeated Rublev in Hamburg, but he he sort of bottled it against Rublev. I think he was about five three or five two up in the final set, something he was like. He was for up the a match, break. wasn't he? Then, then yeah, he and then he, exactly. And then he ended up losing, I think seven five in that final set. Rublev for me it's all just down to that first serve like when he gets his confidence is from that first serve I remember when he was winning those tournaments and he won five tournaments in a year his first serve percentage in a lot of those tournaments was around the 90 percent mark and he's nearly unstoppable on hard court when he serves like that because he's so when the ball comes back you know the second ball is just getting put away if not it's already an ace but when that first serve starts, is misfiring the second serve i don't feel like there's enough on it i think he needs to improve the second serve and definitely like jg said have a bit more going on around the net as well i, I see that sometimes he's a bit slow to come in i think he doesn't really want to no, that's he probably yeah. why he's sort of it's a bit of a stutter step he needs like city Pass could be someone he looks at and takes some real positives city Pass, normally when he comes to the net He's very, very like clinical. he hits a great approach shot really with a or well, normally with a crafty angle, so he forces them out wide, then he really just storms in and puts stuff away, yeah, but, Transitions as well doesn't he sit first yeah exactly, really, but I think he has the he has the sort of i say like racket head ability to be able to maneuver people around the courts more than Rublev. they're more like bullets for rublev, just straight ones that go into corners rather than. Crafty angles, I'd say, from him. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, he's definitely not wanting to come to the net. I mean, even
0: Medvedev's very similar. Uh, we saw it in the final, didn't we, against Nadal yeah. Like a, a couple of times, he literally would hit what should have been an approach shot and then go and went back to the baseline because he just was afraid of getting past. He's not very comfortable with the net. I think Rublev's very similar, to be fair. And Acapulco uh, as aspect. well,
1: he was doing. Like, do you see how much he was coming into the net to try and volley as well? He was actually, he did the opposite. He was just thinking, I don't know what to do in these baseline rallies at the moment, which is unheard of for Medvedev, really. So he kept coming to the net, but he wasn't good at the net. (laughs) Rafa was either (laughs) passing him or he was just enough. So he got a racket on it, but he couldn't get it back in the court. So that's another element. Maybe it's the Russians at the net. I need to uh, practice a bit more. Yeah, it's definitely in his head a little bit. Medvedev is number one now as well. Do you see him staying there
0: for
2: quite a long time? Well, not next week, because Djokovic <laughs> is going to be there. Um, <laughs>
1: goes back again.
2: Yeah. Um, do I see him stay in there for a bit? I don't know. Maybe a few weeks, but I'm still making a big claim now. I think Rafa, the way he's playing, he's going to fight for that number one spot.
1: Mm. Definitely. Has a, I think Medvedev, in the, when it comes in and around the hard courts again, he should be okay. I think his grass court forms really come on. And I, yeah. I think I expect him to get better and better at Wimbledon each year. And the Roland Garros, I think Roland Garros, we all know it's all a bit of a joke about Medvedev at Roland Garros. I think that's gradually going to disappear and he's actually going to be a contender in about two years or three years. Yeah. He's probably he made the quarter with... last year, didn't he? So that's what I mean. I think it's all a little bit smoke and mirrors. He likes the fact that no one's expecting yeah. anything from him. That's true. So I think that yeah, it'll be like the same as Murray. Murray, everyone's like, Oh, he's terrible on clay, he's British. they <laughs> they're no, no good. And then by the end, he—if Djokovic wasn't there, he probably would have won Roland Garros. Yeah. So. No, agreed. Well, 2016 wasn't it? 2016.
0: Yeah, yeah, I believe final. so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was—it's uh, good finders all too fair. He was—he wasn't a definitely not bad play court player. That's for sure.
1: Very good. Won some big. Yeah. Uh, I believe we won a couple of Masters events, or at least one. Yeah, yeah. he did. He did. Um, yeah,
0: and then just to finish off then, uh, obviously not from a political standpoint, but more from a tennis point of view, uh, the kind of all, you know, the Ukraine-Russia situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but from, from a tennis point of view, so obviously there's been a lot of different views from players, uh, like pundits, et cetera, some saying that, you know, like Russian and Belarusian players, they should play under like a neutral flag. Uh, I know I've seen some people say that. I know I think Alina Citalino or Alina Monfisa said something along those lines, so she's pulled out. Of her first round match, on what tournament it is. Um, and basically said that she's not going to play her opponent because she's Russian and she's gonna play under the flag. Monterey, is it. Monterey. Yes, Montre, that's it. Yeah, thank you. Uh Monterey. And um some other players are saying that, or well, people are saying that the play should be banned. So, like literally saying people like Medvedev, sablenka people like that will not be on shouldn't be on tour, they should be banned because they've got links to Russia. Uh, and others are saying, well, look, it's not really their fault, they've got no links to it. Most people like Rublev, for example, are be against it and they're saying look we should just con- continue as is but cancel the tournaments in russia which i think is already kind of happening uh, as we speak anyway so what are your guys thoughts on it uh you do know, have to take a really hard stance but if you
2: don't want no, to i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna let ben go first on this one the reason being we once had a russian button with putin in it so i think ben should oh, no, uh, use his experience <laughs> to talk on this matter a little bit first
1: yeah i mean be, i don't really want to go into like anything really political in it. the stance from like players i don't i i feel really bad for actual russian players who are playing who have the stance that they they don't obviously want to back war and anything like that but then you've got to look at it from two sides as well that if they speak out against it how welcome are they going back to their homeland as well so i feel they're in a horrible position and you don't know what it, what sort of consequences there are for those people's families or things like that that are back in Russia. So you gotta take that all of that into consideration. I think it's like the Olympics, they have to go under like a, a neutral flag. But I think there's part of me that thinks you're not gonna see some of these people speak out that much if they're if they have family back there or if they have a a lot of ties I mean, we to have Russia.
2: seen a few speak out which so, I, I commend their bravery for pavlo oh, uh, wrote a nice message about it we had rublev on the camera writing no war uh Svitilinus doing what she's doing from the ukraine side yeah. um well what other russian i think i've seen a few other russian players medvedev he put medvedev that sort to, of yeah. that big sort of i don't know what it was like a mural of him uh talking about the kid with the the, the, the you know the story he did yeah the dreaming yeah um so I think Russian players have sort of done their part, whether or not they should be banned or not. I think that is a bit harsh because a lot of them hold the sentiment just like us. They don't want a war. Ultimately, it seems like there's just a few very sinister, uh, I can't think of the word, very controlling people in Russia who want to sort of do cause this damage to Ukraine, uh, which is very horrible. And ultimately, we are very much of the message. We want the war to stop. Uh, we want to spread the peace. And hopefully it can be resolved soon. I think what should happen um, is I believe the ATP and the Tours should pull out of events in Russia. They shouldn't continue with sort of St. Petersburg and other events. We've got challenges there as well. And I don't think events should be played in Russia for sure. Um, But that's my only real take on it. I think Russian players should still be allowed to play um, and the events shouldn't be taking place in Russia.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I agree with both of you. Um, I think that the Russian plays and like the Russian players, they're, again, like they're not connected to it. Right. So it's, they're, they're just there to play tennis. So they should be playing it. Yeah. Um, right. And, and I think they're either coming out and saying peace or they're not saying anything. So either way, not, that's fine. Uh, especially if they don't want to take a hard stance, given as what Ben said about there might be a you know, complicated situation. Uh, politically for them I'm sure it's not as simple as just saying I'm gonna come out and say something and there might not be any consequences so understandable and then I I guess from the flag point of view like like you mentioned the Olympics member it's not the Olympics they're not really playing under a flag per se they're just like okay it's Medvedev from Russia but he's not now if he wins a tournament he's not giving any of his money to Russia He's, no. You know, he's playing as an individual. They're representing so. themselves.
2: I mean, if we're talking about yeah. the Davis Cup or Labour Cup or one of these yeah. team events, then it's a different thing altogether. Um, but we're not. Yeah. So
1: I think it's just the, the reason I just uh, said what I said before is because I think that there can be obviously consequences. And that's the one thing that would worry me is because I know that we've seen what happens when people do speak out. I know that that guy, if you've seen the documentary Icarus, which is about uh, it's a scientist that helped with the Russian doping program. And when he spoke out against them, he had to he's in hiding still now. Like they can't he can't ever go back to Russia. That's like that's that's it for him. Like he will be killed if he's found. And that's the that's the horrible reality. If you do speak out against one of their parts of their regime, I mean, no, that was just sporting. But if you speak out against something which is more than that, I don't know what the consequences will be for you. And that's the sad reality of it. So, mm. horrible. Mm. On a depressing note... Um, is, there yeah. <laughs> guys, is there
0: anything that you guys want to touch on before we wrap up?
2: <laughs>
0: right. Um, uh, no. Well, we've Nothing got
1: the tournaments this week maybe we should tie up with that and just see how we think those ones are going to go i know that we've got just two wta events that are going on we've got leon we've got monterey and we've been sort of saying on our channel for the past few weeks it's becoming a little bit potluck on some of these uh women's events who's going to even win them do you have a particular favorite for either of these events that are going to win leon and monterey
0: um (sighs) I don't, it's, it's difficult. Like at the moment, I guess there's it is a bit potluck. I guess. Um, when are they starting this week, right? They're,
1: this They're week on, off? yeah, right now. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting because we saw like Sviontek recently. I don't think mean, she's not playing any of them, is she? Though, no. she, um, she I mean, she played so well. I thought I didn't even forgot to even mention her on this, but um, she's coming to a bit of form, but she played unbelievably well. Uh, last week. Katie Bolter's back as well, isn't she? She's playing. Just yeah. good to see her playing. Just knocked out in you
1: um,
0: Yeah, and Sloane Stevens just won a tournament. She's playing in Monterey. So she might be someone to, to have a look at as well, but I don't really have any specific favourites. Tsubis Tormo's playing, I know, as well. Um, She might be someone to look out for, but uh, it's good to see Sloane Stevens finally get some wins under her belt because she's kind of been a little bit in the wilderness. Uh, I know she got married recently as well, but now she's finally managing to find some form, so maybe she's someone to look out for. And I'm hoping that Katie Bolter is able to do something as well because she, again, like, she looked pretty good, yeah. I thought, uh, in Wimbledon for the first, for the few rounds she was in um, in the tournament. So I'm hoping she can uh, find a bit of form and a bit of momentum in the tournament. Who who, are your guys' picks?
2: I think I went Leila and fernandez um, for Monterey and I forget mm. my other one, if I'm honest.
1: I think I've gone Goliabic on... and yeah. Le- yeah. Le- yeah, Leon. And then on the other side... <clears throat> I forget who I even picked for the other one as well. That's, that's I think I might have had Cerebrez <laughs> Torma
2: actually. Yeah, you might have. Yeah, she's definitely... And I went, I I went Sersday. Oh, yeah.
0: Don't back against Sersday. I always say <laughs> is whenever I cover... Sir. Whenever I do, so I do the day-by-day uh, day day roundups, the Grand Slams, and then whenever a seeded player playing against their stay in the first few rounds, I'm like, they're going to lose. She's like the <laughs> upset queen. She always beats like the seeds in the first few rounds. It's Like, like Kai Eppie all over. Yeah, literally, <laughs> Not- but she's all like, since I've started the channel, like, just over a year now, every single Grand Slam, I'm just like she's going to blitz them. and uh, She just does it every time. It's great. Um, obviously, Twitter, normally it's up the whole of the first week. She just cleans up and the second week, she ends up falling at some point, but it's great to see. Um Yeah. Thanks guys for being on. We appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your day as well. Uh, Do you guys want to shout out your, uh, your channel and social media? I'm sure everyone watching already is part of the GTL family as well, but uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. We're the game to love boys. I'm JG. That's Ben over my other shoulder. uh, And we've been doing YouTube videos uh, predominantly on YouTube. Uh, We do do some stuff on Spotify as well. Everything tennis. Uh, we're covering a little bit more challenges now. We like the future of tennis. We're always going to be promoting the youth. Um, and of course, the watch-alongs will be coming back soon as well with some big events on the horizon. So make sure if you haven't already, so go and subscribe to Game to Love, Tennis Podcast, and uh, we'd love to see you in the live chat.
1: Indeed, and I've just checked, and I didn't pick Cerebras Thomas. I picked Anne Lee. Remember? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was a bit of a running joke on ours because I had Anne Lee as my dark horse for the Australian Open. She went out first round, so <laughs> she's upset for me in this one. Steve double downed. <laughs>
0: he double down basically said, "Yeah, no, just right. the <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And also, yeah, if you uh, if you are watching the new channel, do drop us a like and subscribe if you don't mind and. We do appreciate it. Click the notification bell as well to get to all new videos. And yeah, do check out uh, the game to love. Uh, As I said, I really enjoy the videos. I'm sure you guys will too. Uh, Thank you very much, guys. Stay safe and well. And see you on the next video. Cheers, guys. Thanks.